and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. So excited for you to be here, and welcome to a very, very, very special episode that is very close to my heart for obvious reasons, but today I want to share about my recent engagement. I recently got engaged about a month ago, January 8th, 2022, to my partner, now fiance, Paxton, and I wanted to just share a solo episode talking about our relationship, how we met, our decision to get married, and just all of that good stuff. I think this is a perfect time to record this episode. I've been wanting to do it for a while, ever since the engagement happened, because I want to share the story, not only for you all uh, to be inspired by, but also I was thinking about how I want to record this episode because I want my future self to be able to listen to this episode. I want my future kids to be able to listen to this episode and to really capture this moment in time and this moment in our relationship and this moment of history in my life. So I asked on Instagram if anyone has any questions uh, that they want me to answer. So I have a couple questions that I'll answer towards the end of the episode. But I want to start, I don't know if I want to start with how the engagement happened or how we met. I feel like it makes more sense to kind of go through our relationship history and to go through how we met and all of that stuff. So we have been together for almost four years now. In April, it will be four years. And so we met April 27th, 2018. And the way we met felt incredibly serendipitous. It was at a time in my life where I had just gotten out of my relationship from college. I was in a relationship with someone from college for three years. And I had moved out to Connecticut. I went to college in California. And right after college, I moved to Connecticut to work at this theater. So... When I had moved out to Connecticut, I mean, my relationship from college was definitely failing and definitely was not going to be a long-term thing. And it was kind of a slow burn to really rid myself of that connection and really like put a definitive end. So we had been kind of going back and forth with this person, with my ex, for a couple months, ever since from September to April. But April, the beginning of April 2018 was when we finally were like, okay, it's done, it's over. And I just felt like there was just a ton of emotions involved with that relationship. But I really felt like, okay, this is over, I'm ready to move on. And so I had just gotten out of this like three year intense relationship and was so ready to be single again. I hadn't been single for three years and was just like embracing, you know, this new chapter of my life post-college and really wanted to be single and just have fun and wasn't even like looking for a relationship, wanting relationship, nothing of that sort. So Paxton, on the other hand, he had just moved to Connecticut from Hawaii because he was in the Navy for nine years, the past nine years. 
And at that point, he had just finished this like big sea tour or whatever they do in the Navy in Hawaii and had just transferred from Hawaii to Connecticut. And so he had just moved to Connecticut like two weeks before I met him. So that felt also very serendipitous because it was like we had both either made moves or just finished like this relationship and all of these things that really lined up for us to be able to meet. So I remember one night, April 27th, I was with a couple of my friends and we wanted to go out. And again, I was like kind of in this single mindset of like, ah, I just got out of this relationship. Now it's time to be free and single again. So they wanted to go out and have fun. So we went to this casino called Mohegan Sun, which is out in Connecticut. It's one of like the biggest casinos outside of Vegas or something like that. And I was with a couple friends. We like went out, had a couple drinks. But then I remember we were going to go to a club, but we did. We weren't dressed right for the club. We like didn't have the right dress code, which is so hilarious. So we were like, oh my gosh, like what else can we do? Where else is there to go? And where we were living in Connecticut, there's really not that much going on. It's It wasn't like a big city or anything. It was pretty, you know, small town living with a couple pockets of stuff here and there. But in the downtown area of where we lived in New London, Connecticut, there's this one street called Bank Street, which has a bunch of restaurants and bars. And most of the time I will say like, this street is totally dead. Like there's no activity, but occasionally there's stuff going on. So there's one bar on this street, Bank Street, called Hot Rods. And so we're like, oh, let's just go out to Bank Street, like see what's going on. So we go out to this uh, bar called Hot Rods. And I remember thinking in my mind, like, I wanna make out with someone tonight. Again, I was single for the first time and my pattern before I was in this three-year relationship from college, like in college, my thing was I loved one night stands. I loved like going out. The only reason I would go out or even drink alcohol at all was to hook up with someone. And I'm revealing things about myself that maybe you didn't know. If you know me personally, then you know that this is kind of how I was. I was very open, very sexual in a way, very sensual. I am a very sensual being. And I, I was just exploring relationships with men and exploring physical relationships with men for the very first time when I was just starting college. So I was very promiscuous in a way of going out and hooking up with guys. And that was like what I love to do. But then I was in this three-year relationship. So then after I got out of it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to the bar tonight and I'm going to make out with a guy. Like, I'm going to kiss someone. Like, that's all I want to do. And also it's funny because now I don't even drink alcohol. I don't go out at all. I have definitely, definitely changed. But to my younger version, Leia, who was looking for physical connection, looking for love in all the wrong ways, um, giving her love. So yes, that was my goal to make out with someone. And I am known in my friend group for being very bold. Like when I want something, I will get it. So I, we go to this bar and I go, like we walk in, I go up to the bar and I'm like, there's a guy standing at the bar and I'm like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just going to kiss the first guy that I see. Like it didn't really matter to me. And I was like, oh, here I am at the bar. There's a guy standing next to me. And he was getting a green tea shot. And I remember like being like, oh, give me one. And then 
so he gives me this green tea shot and then he pulls out this chapstick and starts like putting this chapstick on his lips. And I'm like, ooh, I want some chapstick. And then we just started making out because like that was that was all I needed. The end that I needed was there, just like the chapstick and him. So we make out for like a few minutes. And I remember thinking that it was really soft and like sensual and like romantic. It was a very soft, sensual, romantic kiss. And again, I had not said like two words to this person, probably just like, okay, give me this shot. Give me this chapstick. Give me your lips. Here we go. So I remember we were like kissing and I remember being like surprised by the kiss. I was like, oh, this is different than like the random makeouts I've had before in bars. And so then we, you know, stop kissing and we start having a conversation. And I remember he said something to piss me off. Like he said something that was like, I think he said like a word or something that I was just like, you can't say that word. And I got like really annoyed and like walked off. But before I walked off, like he, I took his phone and I don't remember really why I took his phone. I think I took his, like, I don't know, maybe some part of me, like really deep inside of me knew that there was something there. But truly like in that moment, I obviously did not know anything and was just like, I'm gonna take this idiot's phone because here's this drunk guy that I just made out with at this bar. And now he like doesn't even notice that I took his phone. And so I remember for the rest of the night, like we were having a good time with my friends and like I was kind of avoiding him because I was like, okay, cool, we made out and that's it. And I remember he was like dancing in the middle of the dance floor which I was just like, okay, look at this idiot. Again, I was very much like, okay, who is, who is this guy? I'm not interested. Like it was what it was, but because I had taken his phone, I had put my number in his phone because I texted myself. And I, and again, I think that this is part of me, like maybe my soul knowing what could have come out of this, but truly in the moment, I was just like, I'm, I'm going to like steal this guy's phone and put my number in it and whatever. So then at the end of the night, I gave him back his phone and whatever, then left and like didn't think really twice about it. And then the next day, of course, he texted me and we had like we were just talking about the night before. He was telling me that he had just moved to Connecticut. So like he didn't really know what was around and kind of asked me out on a date of like, oh, like, can you show me around Connecticut? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, okay, whatever. So we went on a date, uh, like a couple days later, and we went to this other restaurant on the, on Bank Street, because really that was like the only place to go called The Social. And so we had our first date at The Social. And I remember thinking like, oh, this guy is way different than I thought he was because he was much more normal in a way. He was much more normal. I was just like, oh, you're just like a normal person. Like there's nothing, you're not weird. You're not like, I don't know, you're just a normal person. I remember like having that feeling of like, oh, he's just normal. Like we can talk, like it's fine. So we started hanging out a lot and after like, and we did a lot of like fun things together. I remember like, I really wanted to go out and do things. And because we were both new to the new, to the New England area, we went out and had like day trips in Newport. We went out to Cape Cod. We went out to like wineries around in the area. So we were just doing a lot of like fun things. And I remember what I really liked about him from the very beginning was that he was just down for whatever crazy idea I had. So I was like, oh, let's go here. Let's do this. And he was just like, yes, let's do it. And was just like so down to go on adventures with me. And he's the kind of person who normally 
wouldn't. Like if it was up to him, he would just stay home and do nothing. But I was very much like, you know, this outgoing, adventurous person and wanted to really explore. And he was like totally willing to go and explore. So we made a lot of really great memories, like just that first couple months, that first like six months to a year of like really going out and exploring and doing things and doing fun things. And so also like throughout our relationship, I you know, it, it did get pretty serious really fast. Like it was kind of like I wasn't looking for a relationship at all. I wasn't looking for a boyfriend or anything like that and was definitely not thinking about like finding my person or finding my partner. It just kind of happened where like we were dating and then spending a lot of time together and then it was so wait, let me back up because I'm getting a little ahead of myself because yeah, I was in the mindset of like not wanting to date to marry and just like dating to have fun and dating to explore. But Paxton on the other hand is a lot more traditional and kind of like, yeah, does things in those traditional ways. So he definitely was like looking for a wife and, and, and I don't think he was actively looking for a wife. It was just like, that was something that he knew that he wanted. Eventually he wanted a wife. He wanted a family. And I was very much more like on the fence of like, no, I, you know, I don't know like how, how am I supposed to know if this will work long-term? And I was also planning to move from Connecticut because I was working at the Cedar, but I knew that I wanted to move to New York city. So I was like thinking in my mind of like, well, I'm only going to be here for a short amount of time. Like I'm not going to, I'm not going to live here. Like, I don't think that this relationship could work out long-term. So in, in my mind, it was like this not serious thing of like, yeah, we're just dating. Like, yeah, we're spending a lot of time together and it's nice, but I'm not like looking for anything super, super long-term. And Paxton, I think, was definitely in the more mindset of looking for something more long-term, but was understanding of like where I was coming from. And, and we had very like open and honest conversations about what we were both looking for. But as life evolves and as, you know, things things move forward, things change. And I will say that also during our first year, we we learned a lot because we are very different people. Obviously, every person is so different. And I remember we would get into like these arguments. And so I was I was learning I was learning healthy communication for the very first time because in my previous relationship, we did not have communication like anytime there was something hard that came up or anytime that like there was a difficult conversation to be had my ex would just like pretend like it wasn't there like classic avoidant style of communicating and would just pretend that like nothing was ever wrong and I remember being super frustrated with him because it was like okay but if we can't have hard conversations then we can't communicate so with Paxton I experienced for the first time like having those hard conversations and instead of me wanting to run away and me, you know, having this pattern of like really running away, really being avoidant, because also those are the attachment styles that I have of being avoidant and running away. And that was something that was like very not clear. It's it's clear to me looking back, um, thinking about how that first year we had to have a lot of really hard conversations. And like there was a lot of times where we would have arguments and I didn't even know how to like have an argument because I I was so like afraid of confrontation and if we had an argument I would just totally shut down and I would not engage and I would just totally like 
shut down internally and externally. And I think something that really helped with Paxton is that Paxton is so patient and so like great at holding space. And it's really cool to kind of see how that has like that dynamic has evolved in our relationship because now like we can have a conversation about anything. And even if we both get annoyed or frustrated or angry or upset, we both know now how to work through those emotions together. And like, it's not a problem. And even if we do get angry and have like a heated argument, we end up always laughing like five minutes later because we just know how people, how like we work now. But I think that really comes from time and really that like persistent, continued effort. Because yeah, I remember that first year, it was like there were so many times where we would have an argument, I would shut down and I would kind of think like, okay, this is over. Like, why am I even dating this person? Why am I even in this relationship? I, you know, I don't want to deal with these emotions. I don't want to deal with this. Like, I just want to be on my own. Like, this is too much. So that that's kind of a good testament of like, you know, you have to put in, like, it's not going to be easy, but in the end, it's always so worth it. So it went on like, you know, we had some, a lot of issues come up during our first year where I really didn't think it was going to work out. And again, I was kind of thinking already, like, I'm going to move. I'm not planning to settle down with this person long-term or like, I didn't know if I was going to uh, settle with this person long-term. So fast forward two years And I went on this solo trip to India, Bali, and Thailand. And so I was going to be gone for like three months. And then after that trip, was planning to move to New York City. And I remember having like conversations with Paxton before I left that like, you know, he was willing to do anything to make it work. And like New York City to Connecticut is not very far. It's only like a two-hour train ride. So we were pretty confident that like it would totally work. But I was very just like not not knowing how it was going to work because the past two years of our relationship, we were practically living together. We weren't living together. We had separate places, but he was like over at my place every single night and just like developed this really, really close bond. And so I didn't know like how it would work if I was living in New York and he was living in Connecticut and I was also going to be gone for three months and like didn't know. And so I went on my solo trip and during that solo trip, I, I mean, every time I go on a solo trip, I just got back from a really big solo trip traveling through Central and South America. But that that trip two years ago in 2019, it was the end of 2019, I really did a lot of healing on like self-love, self-worth, healing my past relationship. There was a lot of unresolved issues actually from my ex and my previous three-year relationship that that hadn't really been resolved until I really looked at it. And being on that solo trip really gave me the chance to look at it. And I remember like kind of during that solo trip, like this overwhelming feeling of like really reflecting on Paxton and realizing that like he was amazing and just this like incredible person and like reflecting on our experiences and the way that he treats me and the way that he shows up for me and was really just like, like in tears of gratitude for this person that came into my life, which was a very different feeling than I had the, you know, the past couple years. Like even though we were having fun in my mind, I was resistant to it. I was scared of it. And I will say that like, 
I had an idea of who my person would be, who my partner would be. I always thought that I was going to marry someone from a different culture, from uh, a different country. And my previous ex was from Iran. And I was just very attracted to like someone not from America, someone from a different culture, because I, I love exploring different cultures and um, different countries and different languages and different foods. And so I really thought like, no, I'm going to like marry someone from, I don't know, some exotic country. And so Paxton was like totally the opposite of that because Paxton is from the South. He grew up in Arkansas and then Florida and then was in the military. So like the idea of what I thought I wanted for my partner was so like the, the package was so unexpected because the package was not what I or the external, like the things on paper of what I was looking for was was not Paxton. Like, yeah, grew up in the South, was in the military. And I had a lot of like different ideas about what that meant from someone who's from the South or someone who is in the military and had a lot of like judgments and preconceived notions in my mind, which is also has, you know, our relationship has been a huge catalyst to my awakening to really listen, to really hear diverse opinions, even if that diverse opinion comes in something that I didn't expect, something that I would previously write off in my mind as non-diverse. When in reality, people think in, in many different ways and to be able to understand someone and really listen and really hear their perspective really like awakened and opened me so much. So that is a whole conversation for a different episode, which I definitely think we will talk about because we've worked through so many issues relating to politics, relating to religion, relating to ideas about, you know, how we think the world should look. And a lot of times that not being aligned and really working through that to a place now where I really do feel like we are aligned um, and really feel good about that and really yeah, as you're with someone who, you know, is growing and evolving at the same time as you are. I mean, we, I met Paxton when I was 23. He was 24. He's a year and a half older than me and he's a Gemini and I'm a Sagittarius. So that's like the perfect opposite. But yeah, I think, you know, when you meet someone in your 20s, it's like you are really growing and figuring yourself out. And so we've been able to do that together. And it's really beautiful that now we're kind of in like our late 20s and, have just gotten engaged and are committing to a lifetime. But anyways, yes, went through lots of challenges, just like any other relationship. So, oh my gosh. Oh, so yeah, Paxton. Okay, so back, rewind back to my, you know, I'm on my solo trip and really realizing that like all of these judgments or reservations or really like, I don't even know what the word is to call them, but really these like things that were holding me back from really seeing this person for who they are and not for who I thought they were. And that was something also about Paxton too. It's like I would kind of make these assumptions or judgments about him and he would prove me wrong again and again and again. And he was constantly surprising me. So he was really like breaking down my walls or my judgments or my assumptions that I made about another person, which definitely like taught me a lot about myself. So on this solo trip, I realized like, wow, wow, I like, no, this is the person for me. Like he is everything I wanted, even though it wasn't what I like, even, even what I like, it, it, it didn't look like what I thought I wanted, but this is what I actually want. So that was the realization there on my solo trip. And so I remember getting back from my solo trip. And again, I was about to move to New York. He was going to stay in Connecticut. But I remember when I got back, it was like this, like, 
true commitment to each other of like, you're going to be the person I marry. And we both had these like deep conversations about like, yeah, this is it. And so I, I think I really didn't know that he was my person until two years in, until after I got back from my solo trip in 2019. And so I was like, yep, we're committed. Like, you know, we're going to make it work. Like I'll be in New York. You'll be in Connecticut. Like it's going to be fine. And like, you're my person. So like, you know, we're going to figure it out. So that was, you know, a beautiful moment to have. So at that point, two years in, we did, you know, like, yeah, we're going to get married, but we weren't in any rush. Like I knew that, you know, we probably weren't going to get engaged for some time. And like, we weren't ready to get engaged. It really, you know, needed more time. So I moved to New York, January, 2020. And then of course, March, 2020 coronavirus happened. And I ended up leaving New York because of all the craziness that was happening in New York and going back to Connecticut to live with Paxton. And I thought that I was going to be there for two weeks. And as we all know, that two weeks turned into what, like two years now. So I ended up living in Paxton's apartment from March 2020 until August 2021. So we only just moved out this past August and I was in that space with him that whole time. And that was our first real experience of living together. And of course that created so many, you know, opportunities for growth too, of like figuring out how we work. I am a very messy person. Like I, I'm not very clean. I don't make my bed. Like I have all these little things about me and Paxton is very orderly and likes things in order and, you know, likes to make his bed every morning. So like we definitely had those things to figure out when we first moved in together, but like it really worked and it really like, you know, it was amazing. Like if, if I didn't have Paxton to ride out the pandemic with, I think I would be a very different person today because I do feel like, I think the pandemic has changed all of us. And I really do feel like I'm a totally different person than I was last year or even in 2020. And so I really do think like, if, if Paxton wasn't in my life, like things would have ended up very differently for me. And I'm just so grateful that he was there and that I was able to like go stay with him and for us to be together. And it's so funny that like all my worries and, and fears of like, are we, you know, how are we going to make this like short, long distance work of us living in different states that never even had to happen because of the pandemic. So there are always silver linings and disguised blessings to find along your path. So we ended up living together until August. And then of course, Paxton got out of the Navy. And that has been a huge transition for us because he got out of the Navy and is now going to college in Michigan. And so I'm currently in Michigan with Paxton, but we've had a really challenging time of figuring out like where it is that we want to live, where it is that we want to create a life together. And you know, this place that his college is in is Michigan is not what I expected. It's not what I wanted for myself. But when you're in a relationship, it's like you have to figure these these things out. So that is a long, long story of kind of the trajectory of our relationship. And it's even helpful for me to like kind of talk it out because I it you kind of I, and I, I love telling stories and I love telling stories about my life because I think when you do tell stories about your life, you really are able to connect all those dots and those things that seem so big in the moment 
really like when looking back, you can see how it was just all perfect and all divine and all of the challenges that you face throughout the journey of life, throughout the journey of a relationship is always like so beautiful and meaningful looking back. So that's actually comforting to my soul and heart right now because even though we got engaged a month ago, we had a really, really challenging month because again, we've been figuring out like where to live if we're staying in this place in Michigan, if we're moving somewhere else, if he's gonna transfer to a different school. We've just been dealing with a lot of questions and it's been really, really stressful. But, and I, and if you have been listening to um, this podcast for the last couple months, you'll know that, yeah, I just got back from this second long solo trip to Central and South America. And the reason I went on that trip was A, because I didn't know where I wanted to live yet and I didn't have a home and I was kind of taking that as an opportunity to travel and be nomadic. But what that has done to my nervous system has like really just put my nervous system on overdrive and I haven't felt grounded in so long and has really taken a toll on my stress, on my mental health um, and all these things. And so I'm happy to say that I'm currently recording this podcast episode from our new apartment. We just moved into a new place together and it's really our first home together. Like, you know, we did live together for almost two years back in 2020 and 2021, but it wasn't my place. Like it was Paxton's apartment with his, he had a roommate and, and it didn't feel like my space. I didn't feel like I could create that space for myself. It didn't feel like home, you know, Paxton felt like my home, but this apartment, this place did not feel like home. So now we are intentionally creating our first home together, which has felt really, really, really good. And I feel like finally I can land after like running for a really long time and traveling for a really long time and can also just like recalibrate my nervous system, land, ground, and and feel safe because I will tell you that my root chakra has been out of whack the past couple months and honestly you know probably for longer than that because of you know the state of the world and and we don't realize how much that really affects us as a collective but also individually so again long long story of like our relationship but just kind of have to share honestly about where I'm at and and how that all came to fruition. So I wanna get into the engagement story of how it happened because I love love and I love sharing these kinds of stories. So there was actually several times in 2021 that I, you know, that we were like, maybe would have gotten engaged. We thought about getting engaged before I went on my trip, but I was like nervous about losing my ring while traveling. So like I, that just didn't feel right. And we were going through a lot of transitions of like moving from Connecticut to Michigan and then me traveling and being ungrounded. And so like there was just a lot of unknowns and, you know, didn't feel like that was the right time. But we have like very open and honest conversations about this stuff. I honestly don't understand when like people are surprised that they got engaged which like maybe they just didn't know the moment, but I'm like, but didn't you like talk about it? Like, didn't you know that it was gonna happen? So I don't know. We're also watching Love is Blind right now, season two, which has been really fun. We like watched like two episodes on Valentine's Day because I love reality dating shows. That's a little fun fact about me. So anyways, the engagement story. So yes, there was like, you know, I, I knew it was coming. And I remember in 2020, 2021 too, I was like, I'm probably going to be engaged by the end of this year. Like I knew, I knew it was coming, but obviously went on my solo trip. And then when I got back from my solo trip, I kind of thought that maybe Paxton would propose like, while we spent like 10 days in Florida together visiting his mom. And then I was like, you know, imagining this like beach proposal and like, you know, you know how, 
I feel like women always like get ahead of themselves and picture their wedding, picture their engagement. And I, I never really pictured my wedding, but I definitely pictured my engagement and was like, how, how is it going to feel? Like, you know, will it be perfect? Like, I'm hoping that the ring will fit. Like all these things that our monkey minds do. And I had thought that Paxton had already bought a ring. Like I thought that like maybe he would have brought a ring to Florida and that he was just like waiting for a good time to propose. But then we talked about it and he was like, I didn't buy it. Like I was going to buy it, but then I just like wasn't totally sure what you wanted. And like, I, yeah, he it just wasn't the right time. So we ended up going to a ring place together just to try on rings and just like to make sure my sizing and to really make sure what I wanted. Because I found it overwhelming to like decide what I wanted. And I think, you know, ultimately your person should pick your ring because it's like, it's not your choice. Like you want them to pick something for you, but also like you want something to look good on you. So that was our process. Like we looked at rings and I had an idea of what I wanted and I wasn't very particular, but I knew that I wanted a princess cut because I, I originally thought that I wanted like a round cut, but I tried on round ring, round cut rings and like they just did not look good on my finger. And I, I liked the way that a princess cut looked. So I knew that I wanted a princess cut and that was like pretty much it. And so we went to this place and like tried on stuff. And so then Paxton had a really good idea of what I wanted. So then I was like, I didn't know like if he got the ring, if he didn't have the ring, like how long it would take or like what. And we were planning to, you know, we were going to go to New York for the holidays and we were going to go to the Rockefeller tree Christmas, you know, the day before Christmas Eve. And like, you know, I was going to go with my sister and, and Paxton and, and the whole family and he kept asking me about this Rockefeller tree. Like it seemed like he was taking like a big interest in this Rockefeller tree and just kept asking me like, who's going, when are we going? And I was like, dude, like I know you so well, like why, why are you being so obvious about like, okay, you're planning to propose at this tree. Like, and so I called him out on it. I was like, are you planning to propose on this, at this tree? Because if you are like, you're really not doing a good job of like surprising me. And I got really annoyed because I was like, when I get engaged, I want to be surprised. I don't want to like know that it's coming. I don't want to like, I mean, obviously I knew it was coming soon, but I wanted the moment itself to be a surprise. And so I called him out on it and he got really awkward and was like, no, of course I'm not planning to propose the Rockefeller tree, whatever. And so we ended up going to the Rockefeller tree with my sister and my nephew and it was crazy. There were so many people there. And I was like thinking like, yeah, there was no way he was going to propose. Like there's too many people. Like that would have been like awkward. That wouldn't have been the right moment. And then like my nephew had, you know, a little tantrum. And so it was not a good vibe. And I was like, yeah, you know, it's not going to happen. And then we went to Connecticut and he had kind of said that he was thinking of proposing while we were in Connecticut because we had... Um, moved from Connecticut in August. It was our first time going back to Connecticut just to visit and visit some of our old favorite spots. And it's the place that we met. It's the place that we fell in love. And that's like a special place for us in our relationship. So we went to Connecticut for two days and I remember we were out to dinner and I like, I just like, whatever, put my hand like on his leg and I felt the box and I felt the ring box. So I was like, oh my God, he's going to propose. Like, he has the ring and he's going to propose. I feel like this is like the classic, what you see in the movies, because it was totally that moment of like, oh my God, he's going to propose. And I remember it was really cold outside and 
we were in Mystic, Connecticut, one of our favorite little towns in Connecticut. And there is this like drawbridge that you can walk over. There's the Mystic River. There's this water that you can like walk down. And so he was like, oh, do you want to walk down, you know, walk down by the drawbridge, walk down by the water? And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to propose. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then it was really cold. And he was like, wait, do you think we should like, And I'm like, what do you mean do I think we should? Like, you tell me, dude, because I'm like, dude, I know he has the ring. I know he's going to propose. And he was like, you know what? Let's not. Let's not. And I was like, okay, like, I guess we're not. So he didn't propose. He didn't propose that night. And then the next day we left Connecticut. And I was like, wait, I thought he was going to propose in Connecticut, but like he didn't. And so then at this point, my frustration was growing and my impatience was growing because I was like, when is he going to do it? Like, okay, he didn't do it at the Rockefeller tree. He didn't do it at Connecticut. So of course my mind is going like a little crazy of like, I know he has the ring. So like, what is he, what is this dude waiting for? And so then for the next week we were in New York and I could see that he had the ring in his pocket the entire time. It's like he literally, I could see the box, the shape of the box of the ring. And I did not peek, but I could see it in his pocket. Like, all, all day, every day. And I was just like, what, what is he planning? Like, is he not planning anything? Like, is he just going to find a good moment? So I was like, okay, interesting. So then we were going to go to dinner. It was like one of our final nights in New York. And we were going to go to dinner on the, on January 7th, but like that fell through. So it was like, it felt like there was like no, like clear committed plan on his part of like, this is what's happening. It felt like he was like figuring things out, which is very Paxton. So that, yeah, that, that feels right. But so anyways, then it happened to be January 8th. And it was one of the last nights that we were in New York together because he was going to go back to Michigan like a couple days later and we were going to go to dinner. And so I did have a feeling like, okay, it's going to happen at this dinner. And I felt like really excited about it. And like the previous times that I thought he was going to propose, like I would get really nervous because it's just like a nerve wracking thing. Yeah. And it's like, you just don't know how it's going to go or like how you're going to feel. So like I had felt really nervous, but when we were going to this dinner, I felt really excited and it just felt really good. So I, I tell this, this full story to really tell you that like, there were these missed opportunities where I thought he was going to propose, but then he didn't propose. And then like, I, so I, I didn't know. And so we ended up going to this restaurant called uncle Peter's in Jackson Heights in Queens where my sister lives. And it's like this little Italian restaurant. We were sitting outside in the little like outdoor area and we have this like beautiful meal and I'm like, okay, when is he going to propose? When is he going to propose? And we like we we got dessert he went to the bathroom like we got dessert and I could tell that he was nervous the whole time and of course I'm an empath so like I can feel people's nerves so it's like the whole time he was acting really weird he was acting nervous and I was like okay it's totally gonna happen and so then we get dessert and he like goes to the bathroom and I'm like what is he planning like what is he doing <laughs> and so he goes to the bathroom he comes back and then like we eat dessert but like we're both like you can tell that like we're both like feeling the adrenaline feeling like kind of the nerves but like not really saying what's happening because I didn't want to ruin it and you know he of course was not going to say anything so then we like the bill comes he pays the bill and then it's like over so I'm like okay it's like it's if he's going to do it now like it's now or never And then we're like talking and he's like, you know, is there anything else like left that we have that we want to do in New York? Like, is there anything else that you want to do? Like, you know, while we're still here, the last couple of days that we're here. And I was like, no, I mean, we we did everything that we wanted to do. Like, I, you know, I feel complete. 
And he was like, well, I guess there is one last thing to do. And then he got down on one knee and proposed. And he said, Leia Frederica Van Doren, will you marry me? And I like, I, I was, it was, yeah, it was like so, not what I had envisioned in my mind again, but like so perfect for what it is. And I was so like overcome with emotion and it was hilarious because we were in this little outdoor seating of the restaurant area. So no one else was out there. And so no one saw, like no one saw. And I thought that like maybe he went to the bathroom to like tell the waiter to like maybe get it on video. But apparently he went to the bathroom just because he was so nervous and wanted to like make sure that the ring was in a good place that he could like take it out of his pocket at the right time. So it was, it was just so cute. And so we got engaged and then we like walked back home to my sister's place and we told her and the kids were there and the kids like could tell something like exciting had happened and we did a little kombucha toast and my sister had like rosé kombucha that we did a little toast with with my nephew Luca and then my nephew Sky who's only a year old he was like laughing and like super excited so it, it just felt like super special that my family was there that the kids were there that they were kind of there for this moment and then of course we like called all of our loved ones and shared the news and it was just a beautiful like evening of celebration and really kind of I think what it really did was like this was an an, an internal commitment that we had made you know many years prior like we knew that we were going to get married we knew we were going to get engaged and that many times we felt like we were already engaged we felt like we were already married but really sharing that news with other people like made the internal thing an external thing so it really did kind of feel like the engagement was less of like a okay now I'm committed to this person because I had already been committed we had already been committed to each other now it was like okay this is official in the eyes of society of like now other people can see us for that and recognize us for that. So that felt like interesting of like, okay, interesting. This is more of like an external experience because I already made the internal commitment prior, if that makes sense. And so I want to talk about the significance of 108 because we got engaged on January 8th, which is 108. And 108 has been one of my magic angel spirit numbers for the past like two years. In 2021, especially, I was seeing 108 all the time. Like 108 became one of my numbers. And 108 in yoga is a very auspicious number because it represents like the completion of life. So when you do mantras or chants or even like mala beads, there's 108 mala beads. You're supposed to do 108 sun salutations. So 108 is like a highly spiritual auspicious number. And I have been seeing it like five times a day, every day in all of 2021 and even now in 2022. So 108 became a very special number for me. And it's so funny that like we happened to get engaged on 108 because that wasn't Paxson's plan. Again, Paxson didn't really have a plan. He like had the ring, but then was just like waiting for the right moment to do it. And so there was those, I, I told you the story about the missed opportunities because I think that's important because it could have happened at the Rockefeller tree, which then he told me later that he like told me he wasn't gonna propose, but apparently he was planning to propose at the Rockefeller tree. But then 
because like there were so many people and because my nephew had a tantrum, he was like, no, it's not the right time. And then he was planning to propose in Connecticut, but then it was too cold. So he was like, no, it's not the right time. And then we were planning to go to dinner on January 7th, but then that fell through. So it's like, no, it wasn't the right time. So everything kind of lined up perfectly for us to get engaged on 108, which was just really meaningful to me because 108 is one of those numbers and it felt like that affirmation. And I will say, um, during that time, I didn't, someone actually pointed this out to me. I didn't know this, but Venus was in retrograde during that time. But on January 8th, there was like this special thing that happened where like Venus was lined directly up with the sun. So it created this like portal for love and like it's called like the Kazemi. I don't even know how to say it. The Kazemi of the heart. If you're an astrologer, you probably know this way more than I do. But someone told me about this, that like 108, that like Venus in retrograde is, you know, not a great time maybe to make love commitments. But January 8th just happened to be this like day where things aligned really perfectly. Um, so that just like feels cool too, because, you know, Venus is the planet of love. And it felt like just very, very special and very auspicious and very perfect for us, you know. Again, it wasn't it wasn't what I had envisioned or imagined what I planned, but it was perfect because it was exactly us. So that is the story of how we got engaged. And I hope you enjoyed that because I enjoyed sharing it. So now I want to get into some of the questions that you all submitted. And maybe I like already shared the answer to these questions in my stories, but I think it's fun to answer. Okay, so first question is, what do you love the most about your relationship? Mm, that's a really good one. That's a great one to start off with. I first, I mean, there's so many things I could say, but what's coming to mind right now is like, first of all, Paxton is my best friend. He's my absolute best friend. And I really love that like we can do the things that we love together. And we're both like, really into reading and writing like most of our relationship we would go to like coffee shops and just read on the weekends and we read very different books we have different styles and different interests and different passions but he's really supportive of all my passions he's really supportive of my work he's just honestly the best person I know which sounds cheesy but it's true and and he really hold space for me in so many different ways and and I've been thinking about this a lot but like the polarity between the masculine and the feminine and, and how you know you really do need that that polarity within a relationship and that's not to say that you can't be in a same-sex relationship because we both we we each of us have the masculine and feminine in ourselves but myself as a female identifying person and you know wanting to soften more into my feminine and him being a male identifying person he is is more masculine and and there is that like polarity that's needed between the chaos of the feminine and the order of the masculine so even earlier when I was talking about how like when we first moved in together I was super messy and chaotic and he was very organized like that's kind of an example of how that polarity works but it, it works really well in our relationship because you know my emotions as a as a woman as a female being is very chaotic versus his emotions are very more like structured and ordered and so he's really able to hold space for me in my chaos which has been really nurturing and grounding and safe and supportive for me so our relationship has always been a place where 
I feel like I can be 100% myself. And I've, I felt like that since the moment I met him, that like I didn't have to put on any masks or be any anyone but who I really am. And that, you know, comes in the most beautiful parts, but also the ugly parts, you know, the parts that you, you know, you wouldn't want someone to see you crying or screaming or, you know, getting angry. And like, he has seen me in all the ways because I, I feel like he creates this safe space for me to be able to express myself fully. And I know that there's no judgment. I know that he's not going to like leave me if I do anything, you know, crazy. So I, I do love that, like just that safe container that we have in our relationship where like we can really express all sides of ourselves and like totally be ourselves and it's totally fine. So I do love that about our relationship. And there's so many other things I feel like I could say, but I will leave it at that. So the next question, someone asked, do you believe marriage is a necessary step to take at some point in a serious relationship? I've heard that a relationship should last at least a year before an engagement and that one should witness how their partner grieves the loss of a family member or friend. What would you add to the list? In other words, what else should a person go through with a partner before they should make a decision on becoming engaged? Ooh, I, yeah, I really love this question. I feel like yeah, there are those so many, there are like so many things that we hear from society of like, this is what you need to experience with a person before you commit to them and all of those things. And I really do think like each person and each relationship is so individual to their relationship. And so, you know, what I can share is only from my own experience, but your relationship, if you're in a relationship can look completely different. And our process to deciding to get engaged and get married again was a, a very, it was a process. It wasn't like I met him and I was like, he's the one, you know, he's the person I'm going to marry. As I shared in my story, it took me a while. It took me almost two years to really be like committed to this person and really be, you know, know in myself like that is, that is what I want. And, and I think it is a process sometimes for us to even know what we want, because I think a lot of the times what we think, you know, what we think we want is only what we think we want. And that's based off our conditioning. That's based off societal's conditioning. That's based off our patterns that were created from past traumas. So it takes, it takes a while to like unwind and, and, and soften that. So that would be my advice. It's like, I, you know, you don't necessarily have to go through living together or being together a certain amount of time or experiencing, you know, really hard life situations. Well, I think those can definitely help because those can point out where you have those like past traumas that are still, you know, creating patterns in your relationship. I think those can help point those out, but you know, you can do that in so many different ways. So I mean, it did help. I de definitely think that it did help for Paxton and I to have lived together before getting engaged and to really experience like each other in that way. And even if we hadn't lived together, it's like we would have known. And we haven't experienced the death of a close one or anything like that, but we have experienced changing jobs, change, you know, moving and, and all of these things that really do create a lot of stress and a lot of stress on the relationship. And it is about how you navigate on during those hard times. And I think as long as you feel like that person is going to be there with you for those hard times, like, again, it's, they're not going to run away. It's about that loyalty. It's about that commitment. It's about that safety within that container. I think that, you know, if that if that is something you both desire, and I and I don't even think that you have to get married in order to have a beautiful relationship, but if that's something that you desire and you want to be committed in that long term, then, you know, go for it. Yeah, so I guess that's what I would add to that list of like, 
you know, just make sure that you're not operating out from your past traumas and that's going to take work. And as long as you have someone who's able to hold that container for you, then you'll be fine. Okay. So next question, someone asks, when is the wedding? And they actually asked this question in Russian and I had to send it to my mom to translate because I don't speak Russian, but my mom does. So they ask, when is the wedding? Great question. I feel like that's always the first question that people ask when you get engaged. Like, well, when are you getting married? And it's like, dude, I don't know. I just got engaged. Like one thing at a time, people, please. But I mean, I do have a general idea of when we would like to get married. We obviously haven't started planning anything yet, but I am planning to, I like right now I am thinking like late spring, early summer, 2023. I would like to get married in 2022 just because I like the sound of 2-2. Like whatever date you get married, then it's 2-2. But the engagement is 1-8-2-2 and the marriage can be, you know, 2-3, whatever that is. I have a friend who's getting married on February 3rd, 2023. So the number is 2-3-2-3, which is amazing. That's a good date. But I won't be getting married by February. And yeah, I'll just share here, like I'm... Yeah, it's like the wedding planning process seems like, a, I mean, first of all, it's like a whole business. It's a whole thing, which kind of disenchants me. It's kind of disenchanting a little bit of like just the industry of getting married and, you know, that in society. I, I am feeling a little like resentful of like just the capitalism of it all and like yeah, it's like, okay, it's this sacred commitment, but like here you gotta have this party and, and you gotta spend a bunch of money and I don't know. So I'm kind of like thinking about that right now, but I do know that I do want the wedding to be on the beach, really, really small, like probably just our family. And then I might do like a bachelorette retreat week and in Mexico. So that's like what I'm thinking right now. So I have thought about this, but yeah, when is the wedding? Maybe late spring, early summer, 2023. Someone else asks, how do you keep a relationship alive? Ooh, how do I keep a relationship alive? Hmm. I mean, this is something that I'm learning just like in a day-to-day life because that, you know, I, I, I do think that like myself, I am, you know, addicted to those external highs and I get that from traveling. I get them that from going out and doing things. And, you know, there's like that that day-to-day mundaneness of life that we have to, you know, learn how to make peace with. And, and in a way, those small moments are the big moments. You know, we can lust after the big moments of traveling to this new country or, you know, falling in love or getting engaged or doing these like big things. But really life is about the little moments and about the day-to-day things. And so, you know, how do you keep a relationship alive? It's like, how do you learn how to like be in that daily life with each other and really create your day-to-day life together that you want? And so, yeah, I'm interested to see like how how Paxson and I will continue to keep it throughout our relationship because I think that's going to be an ongoing process because when you do have a lot going on like moves like transitions like you're not even really thinking how to keep the relationship alive because the relationship is alive just by the nature of of it being alive but there were definitely times like throughout the pandemic when we were living together in quarantine it's like you know just one day bled into the next and it did get like a little stale and and we had to really work on it and like create those times and those space for intimate moments. And so we would do like 
special, ooh, we would do special things together, like, you know, plan out a special date, or one thing that I love doing, and if you know me and you know my work, this is like my work, but I love being in ceremony. So that's with my creativity workshops, with my creativity circles, and with all the things that I offer, it's like being in this like sacred ceremony. And and what's what I mean when I say ceremony is really just setting an intentional space and going through a meditation, going through journaling, like really just like setting a space for inward reflection, for inward processing, either, you know, together. So one thing I do love doing with Paxson, which is so special that he is open to doing this with me, is like being in ceremony. So I will hold circles for us where it's just me and him and we get to connect on a deeper level and really like go deeper instead of just kind of those surface level like day-to-day interactions and so I'll set the space we'll breathe together we'll meditate together and then I'll lead us through some writing prompts and and we've done this like throughout the course of our relationship and it's funny because like yeah Paxton's not the kind of person that you would think would do that kind of thing but he actually really loves it because it is a way for us to really connect deeper and we've done like during the pandemic when you know things were getting a little stale we did do a tantric workshop just online and that was a really cool thing to do together and he was like nervous about it because he was like what is tantra like what what is that but we did it together and like there was like an eye gazing exercise we danced together and that was a beautiful way to really just connect and connect again on this deeper level And I think that, you know, when you are living with a person day to day, you do need to have those moments to create space for deeper connection. And so you can do that in a variety of ways. You can do that through ceremony, through circle, like meditating or journaling and doing some practices together. But really just all you need is really just to set that intentional space and then, you know, do whatever feels good and whatever you're both comfortable with. And even if one person's like a little not so comfortable, because I I definitely think like when we did that tantric workshop, like Paxton was open to it, but he definitely wasn't totally comfortable. But it's like it does get you on that deeper level. So that would be my recommendation. And I'm excited to continue to you know, create those intentional spaces together because that's what you do need, I think, to keep a relationship alive. And one thing that we have been doing ever since getting engaged, my mom actually sent us this engagement journal, which has a bunch of questions in it, like, you know, talk about how you felt when you first met or like, what's your favorite thing about your partner? Like, what, what are your favorite qualities about your partner? Which has been a really beautiful way for us to connect because we've been doing them We'll set aside like time in the evening and answer a couple questions and really just set an intentional space. And it's been really, really fun to just both reflect on our relationship together during this in-between space of being engaged because being engaged is another in-between space of like, you know, you're no longer dating, you're not yet married, you're in this beautiful in-between space. So having those journal questions, I think she just got it on Amazon. It's just called the engagement journal and they have some really great questions in there. And that's just been a really fun way for us to connect during this in between period. So yeah, I love I love being in ceremony. That's like my favorite thing to do. So next question is, when did you realize you were soulmates? So someone asked, when did you realize you were soulmates? And then someone else asked, how did you know he is the one? Hmm. So I guess like I mentioned earlier, I think I really realized he was the one like during that solo trip that I took to India, Bali and Southeast Asia, because that was really that time that I needed for myself to really like 
do some deep inquiry and do some deep processing and do some deep healing of things that I hadn't healed yet from my previous relationship and really look at those things and really realize like, oh, wow, yeah, this this is my person. So I think that was like the really deep internal commitment. But even before that, I think there were like little moments of like, I don't know, of just knowing like, okay, this this is someone that I can experience life with. And I, I think that we will and we are having a very good life as long as, you know, we can be partners and be true partners instead of like, I don't know, not good partners to each other. It's like we want to show up as good partners for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also I have this fun theory. Well, I have this theory about soulmates because this person asked, like, how did you realize we were soulmates? I have this theory that I've had for a while, like before I even met Paxton, I've had this theory about soulmates versus life partners. And I want to share this with you in case it resonates in some way. But I think there's a lot of talk in the spiritual world about soulmates, about twin flames, about all that stuff. And in my personal experience, I have, there are people in my life who have been like soulmates where we meet and it's like we've known each other for years and there's just no question of like, our connection and it's just super intense and super quick but in my experience like there have been well this isn't totally true so I say this like not you know this isn't like a blanket statement there are of course exceptions to everything but I think a soulmate is someone that is supposed to come into your life to teach you a very specific lesson and those people don't often end up staying in your life forever because they're a soulmate. They're, they were, they were, you know, you're both contracted to come to teach each other a lesson. And, you know, then once that lesson is learned, then it's time for that relationship to end. And I, I have a few friends from like high school and even like past relationships where it felt like a soulmate connection, but it wasn't something that could last because it wasn't like that deep partnership. It was like, okay, we both you know, wanted to have this intense experience together and now it's it's done. Versus a life partner is someone that's going to be there for you through it all. And I feel this way about some of my friends where like they're my life partners in friendships. Like I have, I've had soulmate connections with friends where I had this super deep, intense connection with someone, but it doesn't last. Um, and they're not like with me through life. They were just with me through that specific period of life when I really needed that. And so as a life partner, so it's like I have some friends from high school that like I know no matter what, we will always be friends. And maybe the connection is a little like slower going. It's not so intense right off the bat. It's deeper because you build and you create and sustain this long lasting relationship that you then know will be with you as a life partner. So I, I have felt in my knowing that Paxton is more of a life partner because he's someone that I can completely like build that relationship with. And it was a more slow process. It wasn't like I met him and right off the bat, I was like, he's my person, this is my soulmate. It was more this like really deep, long process, which now feels like we've built that foundation really strong so that we can continue forward and continue to move through whatever challenges life will inevitably throw our way. So that's just my theory on soulmates versus life partners because I, I do feel like, I don't know, maybe soulmates are only meant to come into your life for like a short period of time. And maybe not because I'm thinking about one of my friends who's like totally a soulmate 
And she's also a life partner. So maybe that, maybe there can be both. It doesn't have to be one or the other. So maybe Paxson, and I do feel, I do also feel on my knowing that like Paxson and I have made a contract to each other because the way that we met, like I've shared in this podcast episode that like it was so unexpected. It wasn't like I had any intention of meeting my person. It just happened. And I do think like we were put on each other's life paths at that moment in time to really build something meaningful and beautiful. And it feels in a way like I didn't have a choice about it. Like it, it, it feels like fate. And there were a lot of other like synchronicities that led us up to us meeting that I didn't share just for sake of time. But it, there was just so many little things that it was just like, okay, this, this is truly meant to be like, I, 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 I couldn't have planned this. I, you know, it's something larger was at play here. So I do feel like our souls definitely made a contract to find each other in this lifetime, to be with each other in this lifetime. And I also do feel like he is just my life partner, someone to really sustain that commitment and that uh, partnership. So that is my long winded answer for that. And last question we will get into today is shadow work in relationships, how to be wrong, what it's like to learn through another person. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that this is a huge one because any relationship that you're in, whether it's romantic or it's a friendship, you're gonna have to, you know, if it's a real relationship, like you will have to face yourself. And I am of the belief that we are all mirrors to each other. I mean, anyone you meet is a mirror to yourself. And so anything that you love or don't love about a person is really just a reflection on how you feel about yourself and how you're like creating this experience within yourself. And so there have been many, many, many things that Paxson and I have experienced, many challenges that we've experienced of really like putting up that mirror back to yourself and, and really realizing like, yeah, where within me, you know, do I have this judgment? I like briefly touched on some of the differences that we've had that really taught me to open up and learn how to listen and learn how to not make assumptions and not make these judgments based off what I think I know about a person without really getting to know them. So that was like a huge one for me. And then also kind of going back to like ideas of attachment styles, I will say that I like, you know, the, like little things come up in just like the day-to-day -day ways. Like I know that I have an avoidant attachment style because of my experiences in childhood and in life and just the way that I process things. And so I do have a tendency to shut down. I do have a tendency to want to run away. But Paxton has really, you know, taught me that, you know, it's worth, it's worth not shutting down, like being open to your emotions and allowing them to flow rather than, you know, keeping that inside. And for him, he has a pretty secure attachment style, but I do think he carries more of the anxious attachment style. And that shows up in like a perfect example of that is like he, he really does like to like have a plan and I'm very spontaneous. So it's like the other day we were going to go to the store and we go to the store, but it's like in this like shopping area and I see a Goodwill and I was like, oh my God, let's go to the Goodwill first because I want to see if they have something at the Goodwill instead of at the store. And he was like, he gets like a little annoyed at that because he like, well, no, the plan was to go to the store. So it's like, to just to have to like shift plans kind of stresses him out, which I think is an example of like his shadow coming out to play of like why he why he, you know, get kind of gets derailed when the plan gets derailed. But I think that also comes from like the safety containers that we've placed on ourselves from childhood. So, you know, that can go really deep. And, and with any person, you're going to have 
those things that that they've learned and experienced throughout their life that has made some of the way that they are. And it's like that slow unwinding, that slow process of unwinding the nervous system, of learning new patterns, of healing, of creating new neural pathways in your brain. So a relationship can do that on so many levels. Like even on this simple example of going to the store, like that is a simple example of like being able to be more open and flexible. And, you know, that can you know, show up in really big or small ways. So I feel like there's so much that we can talk about with shadow work because that the majority of a relationship is that I feel like, you know, it's fun, it's celebratory, it's supportive. And also you're going to have to work through those triggers and, and learn how to be wrong. And I, and I know for myself, like that was, I didn't realize that it would be hard for me to be wrong, but to really have that like openness and compassion for hearing another person's perspective and, you know, not thinking that your way is the only way because it's not. And, and understand that everyone is coming from their own set of experiences and ideas and ideals about life. And the more that you can talk about it and be open to it, I think really allows you to come together and find that middle ground. I mean, talking about how engagement is like this like middle period, this in-between period, that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately of like this idea of beginnings, middles, and ends. Because when I was on my solo trip, I was going to a different country like every two weeks. And so I realized that each different place I was in, each different city I was in, there was that beginning period where I would feel really excited, but also anxious about the unknown because I didn't know what I was going to find, but I was excited because it was new. And then I would get into the middle period of after having arrived after a couple days, I would arrive to that middle period. And that would be when the work happens because (laughs) the work is your life and the work is your practice. The work is like that middle period of like, okay, what do I do with my days? How do I fill my days? Like, what do I want to do? How do I want to live my life? And then in the ending of the trip, and, and this is something I just experienced on my trip as a way to mirror what goes on in life all the time. But then at the end of the trip, I would feel like, so grateful for everything that happened, even if it had been a challenging time. I would feel like so inspired and I would feel like all of my lessons were like coming to a close and I was receiving all of these insights and downloads about why the things were the way that they were. But I remember that middle period being the hardest part. The beginning period was fun and exciting and also a little scary. The ending part was great, was gratitude and and learning your lessons. But that middle part was the work. And so that was really mirrored to me in my solo trip. But I think the same holds true in any aspect of life, especially relationships, that it's like that middle period is the work and the middle period is your life. Like if we think about it, you know, as the journey of life, the beginning is birth, the end is death. And the middle is life. So at this period of time in my life, I'm really learning how to like soften in the middle and instead of like chase the next beginning or chase, you know, try to rush towards the ending, like really enjoy the process of that middle period. And I think that's something that you can work on in a relationship and and kind of goes back to the how do you keep a relationship alive question of like, yeah, how do you you know, take those mundane day-to-day things and turn that into something meaningful and beautiful and, and be okay, you know, with end, with living in the middle because that is life. So I, I might want to record like a separate episode about that because that's something I've been really thinking about a lot lately and just wanted to kind of share that because I think it relates to relationships. So 
I think this episode has been long enough. I feel like I've been talking forever. I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing me to share my relationship and my story with you and our story together. And just for being so supportive. I mean, it was a really beautiful thing to share the engagement with other people because just to feel that love and support back from the people that love you, from your community was just like, that's what made it special. You know, it wasn't so much the fact that we got engaged. It was the fact that people were really supportive and celebrating and acknowledging you in that. And I think that is like the best part of it all. And yeah, then the work happens later in marriage and in life, (laughs) just like anything else. So sending you all love. I hope you had a beautiful Valentine's Day. Thank you for celebrating this week of love with me by tuning into this episode. If you do feel called, I would love if you could rate and review the episode because those really, really help. And those really just help me to see who's listening and to see who's paying attention. And that makes me want to continue. So please give me your feedback and do a review if you could. And when you do, I will send you a free guided writing meditation if you send a screenshot to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren, or you can email me at what not at Leah Van Doren at gmail.com. I will put all of that information in the show notes and I will catch you next week. Love you all so much. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed that episode and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please feel free to share it with a friend and tell them what inspired you. Or if you'd be so kind, you can rate and review the podcast. And when you do, I would love to gift you my free guided writing meditation that will connect you to your creativity, yourself, and your spirituality. Just go on over to my Instagram at Leah Van Doren. That's L-E-Y-A-V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N and send me a screenshot of your review and I will send over the meditation and I would love to hear your thoughts. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul.